Travis Wingfield. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. I know there's a lot riding on it, but it's all psychological. Just got to stay in a positive frame of mind. You are Locked On Dolphin, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphin, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami! What's up, Dolphins? fans? Welcome into the Friday, April the 9th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we are really cranking up the draft talk here on Locked On Dolphins. We compare and contrast the two elite safety prospects in this class. Both Derwin James and Mika Fitzpatrick go under the microscope, and I give you an updated mock draft via drafttech.com, and we rank and grade the arrivals and departures for the Dolphins this offseason so far. But first, before any of that, as you guys know, I have to remind you to go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. Give us a rating, give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Follow me on Twitter at NFL and the show at LockedOnFins. And of course, the number one rated blog in the Lockdown Network, LockedOnDolphins.com. My pieces on Derwin James and Mika Fitzpatrick are up live right now, as well as the updated Dolphins prospect list, Dolphins prospect tracker by Jason Harina. That is up there right now. He has all the visits the Dolphins have done, their projected rounds, their schools, everything you can want to know about these prospects is up there right now on LockedOnDolphins.com. And of course, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts, like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast, for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. And before we get into first down, I have to give a shameless plug to myself on the Dolphins Twitter bracket challenge. I have qualified for the final four and I'm going up directly against the head of the Finsider radio podcast. So basically LockedOnDolphins.com versus the Finsider. And you guys know who provides you guys with the better content, more frequently content, and just better overall Twitter stuff on there too. So I would imagine if you guys listen to the show, you're already voting for me on there anyway. And I really appreciate everyone that did vote for me and got me that victory over Simon Clancy, the number one overall seed in the entire thing. Took down the giant on my way to the final four there. So if you haven't done that, go on there, vote for me today. Let's get me into the finals and uh, get me into the championship and, and get myself a nice little piece of hardware for the best Dolphins Twitter follow. All right, guys, let's go ahead and get it going. That's another Miami Dolphins. And on first down, my topic of the week, I suppose, or the weekend, end of last week, was talking about these safety prospects. And I had kind of written them off because after the Dolphins, basically after they beat the Broncos and the Patriots, they got themselves out of a position where they could qualify for a top five pick, getting to six and seven, getting that sixth win. Usually is going to put you around the 10th or so pick in the draft. And here we are at the 11th pick in the draft. So I wrote about, I had a a series called April Blue Chips that I kind of bailed on after that win because at the time the Dolphins were talking about the draft because at four and seven, I think it was before the Bronco and Patriot wins, at four and seven, that's all we really had to kind of hang our hat on was looking forward to April. Now here we are April 8th and I want to get back into the draft prospects because as you guys know, I'm more of a pro personnel guy. I kind of look into the guys the Dolphins signed. I look into weaknesses, tendencies, all that stuff on the Dolphins All-22 film. I just I don't have access to the college film like some of the draft guys do. Not all of them do, especially not the guys you're reading on Twitter, just the random fans. But to watch the games on the YouTube channel that has those breakdowns, those are great. But to not have an all-22 view, it makes things very, very tough. So I don't enjoy doing that as much because it's just not as informative. But I do get myself into a lot of that stuff this time of year. And I'm starting to ratchet it back up right now. And I have watched plenty of the games on YouTube. I watched college games all throughout the year. So I have an idea of these guys coming into the draft process. But I have really, really dove into... Derwin James and Mika Fitzpatrick the last couple of weeks and you guys have known for the longest time that I've had a huge crush on Derwin James for the Dolphins and I think that 
the way the draft might stack up, I think the Dolphins might get a crack at one of these guys. So I kind of went ahead and wrote about them. Two articles on LockedOnDolphins.com. And basically just... You know, you guys, like I said, you guys can find the information for what these guys can do as players on the field from plenty of other sources. I'm not going to water down that saturated market. So what I did was I went and found something about these guys' backgrounds and got quotes from their coaching staff, the coaching staff they have played for in the past. I got quotes from teammates. I pulled up their measurables. I kind of gathered their combine measurables, their what they ran, what they benched, their spider web, so to speak. I put advanced stats up there for you guys, their production, some screenshots of what Daniel Jeremiah and Lance Zerline have said about these guys. So I really just wanted to compress everything you look for on the internet in terms of draft prospects and relate that to the Miami Dolphins and just kind of compile it into one area. So that's what that whole entire the 11th pick part one series, part two, the 11th pick series is going to be on the Dolphins' potential first round draft picks. And it's just a compilation of all the information that I have gathered off these guys. And what I gathered off of Derwin James it's just that the guy is an insane leader and a, a f- complete freak of nature. I talked about the spider web. If you guys don't know what that is, they basically measure you and your percentile on certain things like hand size, how far you jump, how much you, how fast you run, all that stuff, you know, the size of the body as well. They measure all that compared to the other prospects and the wider the web, the better. And Derwin James's web is basically a circle, which is exactly what you want. He is near the 90th percentile in every single category. He's a freak. I don't think that you've seen the best of Derwin James. I think his production in college, that rookie year, was just phenomenal. He gets hurt in 2016 after having a huge game on opening day, eight tackles and a pick, and then gets hurt in week two very early on. I think that his production slowed down because of coming back from that injury. The medical can be a concern. You know, you don't like seeing a guy that has a medical history there, but... I just he came back in 2017 was better as the year went on and the most interesting fact about that article I found was looking up advanced data or advanced analytics as I call them and the the news I saw was that Derwin James the Florida State defense was two touchdowns worse when he was off the field for that team so you can see his impact he makes the fact that they talk about the coaches that everyone all the coaches talk about the fact that whenever that guy talks everybody listens coaches players people above him even so it's just really interesting to see what kind of player and person he is and I just I think that guy's ticketed for Canton someday I could not think higher of that guy now on the other side of the script I was always a fan of Mika Fitzpatrick, but I kind of fell more in love with him as I did this project because I read some of the quotes from his coaches. I read some of the stuff. I, I told you guys this already. I just, I look into their background and find out what makes them tick. And some of the stuff that I read from Damian Williams, the, the, not Damian, not Damian Williams, Damian Harris at Alabama, his teammate, put some quotes in there talking about how he he called Mika to congratulate him on the fact that he won the Thorpe and Bidnerick Award, both for best defensive back and best overall defensive player in the country in 2017. And Mika was basically like, thanks, but that's not what we're here for. We're going to get a ring this year. So he cares about winning. That's very important to the Miami Dolphins staff. They've talked about it. What else does he care about? The fact that he doesn't like when he misses assignments. He was up by 40 points in a game, and he was distraught on the sideline because he missed an assignment on one particular play, and he kind of prides himself on being the guy that Nick Saban can point to as coaching tape. So you, you connect the dots there, the fact that Adam Gaze wasn't very committal to, to TJ McDonald going forward, pairing with Rashad Jones as a safety in the backfield, how that didn't really work out the way they wanted it to in 2017. So it makes me think that the safety class 
is really high on these guys' radar, and they've really been pitching the, the quarterback stuff. We've heard all about that. The media likes to talk about the linebackers. The fans on Twitter, you guys certainly love the linebackers, and I love this linebacker class too, but it just seems like there's all geared towards those directions. Not a lot to talk about the safety class here, but the Dolphins keep talking about it. Matt Burke brought it up at the press conference in Indianapolis for the scouting combine, how they didn't have the piece last year that they needed to have to run more dime packages. They bring in Tony Oden, who is a master of the dime package, to coach the secondary. You look at the fact that Trey Boston, Kenny Vaccaro, Eric Reed are all out on the free agent market still available with no contract offers from the Miami Dolphins. So I just think it all adds up. And you go back to kind of Gaze's pedigree, Chris Greer's pedigree. These guys have drafted more players from the SEC in those two years than any other conference. You know, Gaze's connection to Nick Saban, he obviously trusts people that he's worked with in the past. It just makes a lot of sense to me for Minka Fitzpatrick or Derwin James to be the pick. So I could definitely, definitely see them being the pick there. Now the question is, will either of them make it to us with that spot? We're going to go ahead and get into a short list or my updated short list, my first round mock draft, and just talk to you guys about what might be able to happen for the Dolphins on draft day, which is now 17 days away, 17 Ryan Tannehill days away from the NFL draft, where we can all stop bitching at each other and going at each other's throats on Twitter and start getting ready for the 2018 season, which before you know it is going to be right around the corner. So this is Locked On Dolphins podcast at Linkful NFL at Locked On Fins, and give me a vote for the Dolphins Twitter bracket challenge if you haven't done so already. All right, so before that little teaser I mentioned, will Mika Fitzpatrick or Derwin James actually make it to the 11th pick in the first round for the Dolphins to get a crack at them? And while I think some of that trade rumors may have been circulating around the fact that the Dolphins could be looking for one of those guys in a trade-up if the quarterbacks don't make it down, if you believe they're going to take a quarterback, another conversation for another day. But if the Dolphins can stick at 11 and get one of these guys, it would be a home run draft in that first round. So my updated shortlist, it hasn't changed a whole lot. It's just gotten shorter. I have four guys on it now. Derwin James and Mika Fitzpatrick are 1A and 1B. You know, I want James more. I still prefer Derwin James. I think his potential to be a just game-changing player is higher, but Minka Fitzpatrick is super, super safe. So I love both players. Couldn't love them any more than I do. Tremaine Edmonds is my next guy on the list. Again, I like I like potential. I like the fact that he's 19 years old, built like, I think, Josh Hoots on Twitter. You guys know Hoots said today that he's built like the Terminator. Great term for him there. He is a fantastic-looking linebacker. And if, I want, if I'm going to get a linebacker at pick number 11, he better be able to rush off the edge. And that's what I think he does better than both Rashawn Evans and Roquan Smith there. Last on the list is Vita Vea, the defensive tackle from Washington, another great pass rush prospect inside. So Derwin James, Mika Fitzpatrick, Tremaine Edmonds, and Vita Vea is my short list. And then now for my mock draft to see if one of those guys will get to 11. Now I have the quarterbacks going 1, 2, 3, 4. It's going to be Darnold number one. I'm still going to stick with Josh Rosen number two to the Giants. Baker Mayfield number three to the Jets as much as all of us hate to hear that. I, you know, I, I, as much as I love Ryan Tannehill, I think Baker Mayfield is going to be a player too. So I do not want to see him go to the AFC East. And then I have Buffalo coming up to the number four spot to go ahead and take Josh Allen right there. And then from there, Denver takes Quentin Nelson. The Browns, who traded back from number four down to number 12 with Buffalo, they're coming back up to number six to get Saquon Barkley from the Colts, who just want to compile as many picks as they can. And then Bradley Chubb goes number seven to the Bucks. Vita Vea goes number eight to the Chicago Bears. And then number nine, one of our guys gets taken. I'm not sure if it's Fitzpatrick or James. Just for the sake of the exercise, we'll go ahead and say it's Fitzpatrick. And then number 10 is Trem- or number ten to the Oakland Raiders is Tremaine Edmonds. And that leaves the Dolphins with Derwin James. So we get our guy in the first round there. That's actually what I got on drafttech.com. So 
That draft tech board is a little bit funky. I, I don't know if it's necessarily accurate, but who really knows what is accurate during this time of the year with draft season. So the mock draft that I have up there now, I finally made some changes to it just because some other guys made some changes. So I was able to get some more guys falling to my spot. And I don't think this is necessarily accurate of what could happen because some of these guys I think fell probably too far. But look at this mock draft that I got or listen to this mock draft that I got on drafttech.com, which should be up live this week. Number one, pick number 11, Derwin James. Pick number two, number 42 overall, Sony Michelle from Georgia, the outstanding running back. The Dolphins have been all over him. If he makes it to that pick, I'd be very surprised if he is not the pick. Pick number three, number 73 overall, Shaquem Griffin. You guys know how much I love him. Have that piece up on LockedOnDolphins.com talking about how he could help change the culture in Miami. The fourth round pick, the first fourth round pick, number 123, Indiana tight end Ian Thomas comes in as a starter day one for me at the fourth round pick. Just another home run pick for me there, in my opinion, obviously. The second fourth round pick, number 131, Nathan Shepard, the Fort Hayes product, the guy that was dominating the senior bowl for a very short amount of time before he got hurt and got sent home from there. But he is a dominant looking prospect in a lower level. Just it looks like a peewee football tape where he's tossing little kids aside. The sixth round pick got another guy that I love, a quarterback from Toledo, Logan Woodside. He can be the backup quarterback to Ryan Tannehill this year and Gaze's long-term project. In the seventh round, Deidre Sanat, the defensive tackle. I heard that he lost both of his parents as a kid and it kind of matured him quickly. I love hearing that story. I mean, obviously don't like like hearing that he lost his parents, but he sounds like he's got a good head on his shoulders and he plays with a good pad level. Could be good depth for the Dolphins in the seventh round. And then my guy on the podcast from Friday, Devron Davis, the UTSA product, the cornerback comes in in the seventh round. So Derwin James, Sonny Michelle, Shaquem Griffin, Ian Thomas, Nathan Shepard, Logan Woodside, Deidre Sanat, and Devron Davis. My updated mock draft on drafttech.com for the Miami Dolphins. An absolute home run of a draft. Chris Greer goes right into the Hall of Fame with that draft if he's able to pull it off. So that's the updated mock draft on drafttech.com. That's going to be going for the next couple of weeks up until the draft before we actually have the draft. So you guys can check my work out there. I am the Dolphins insider for drafttech.com. But we're going to go ahead and finish up this podcast with one more segment here at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. And this last segment was an idea I got from someone on Twitter. And if you're out there and you can hear this, I'm sorry. I didn't see your handle. I just saw you you did this practice where you graded the incoming arrivals for the Miami Dolphins or ranked who the best ones were. Very good idea. I want to say it was JT Finns. If I don't, if I got that wrong, I apologize. But anyway, saw that out there and I wanted to grade both the departures and the arrivals and give each player their own specific grade to kind of give you an overall idea of what I think of the players we got and of the player players that we lost. Let's go ahead and start with the departures and the most impactful in this order. Let's go ahead and start from the bottom a little more climatic that way. The the worst or the I guess the the worst player that departed was Brandon Dowdy. He gets an F. He didn't he was never gonna be anything, doesn't have the talent to play at this level. Another F grade, Jermon Bushrod, was a terrible guard for two years for the Miami Dolphins. Ended up on injured reserve at the end of the year in 2017, so not a lot of production there. Another F would be Julius Thomas, who somehow gets himself not on the bottom of this list, but he's an F player overall. Terrence Fade, I'm going to give him a D plus. He contributed as a run defender and kind of a sub-package player, I guess a, a sub-player, I should say, coming off the bench to give guys a breather, but they deem him replaceable when they get Robert Quinn, which makes total sense. Next player up is Mike Pouncey, a D plus. Probably going to cause some pushback from some of you guys, but he just hasn't been a good player for a while now. Often injured, as you guys all know. Up next is Lawrence Timmons with a C-minus. 
a little bit of a grade above Mike Pouncey there, but he actually had a good start to the year, so I had to give him a little bit of props for that, even though his fall was very, very dramatic. And then with the same grade, a C- minus as well, Michael Thomas, the third most impactful loss for the Miami Dolphins. His special teams prowess, what he was as a person in the locker room, on and off the field, just a really good guy, and the Dolphins will miss him going forward. Next, the second most impactful loss with a B grade is Jarvis Landry, and I know that some of you guys probably don't feel the same way that I do about that. Probably think he's higher than that, but was a target whore, took up all the targets on the Dolphins offense and just did not produce a whole lot in terms of yards per target there. And then the A loss, uh, the number one loss, an A player in Dominican Sue. That's going to be a tough one to get over. We all know that, but nonetheless, he is the top rated departure for the Miami Dolphins. So Dominican Sue, Jarvis Landry, Michael Thomas, Lawrence Timmons, Mike Pouncey, Terrence Fide. Julius Thomas, Jermon Bushrod, and then Brandon Dowdy. As for arrivals, you know, they kind of even each other out here with the grades that I gave because the guys at the top of this list, this list is deeper in terms of how good these players are. So let's just go, let's start with the bottom. And Brock Osweiler is the number seven most impactful arrival. He gets an F. He's just a terrible football player. I think I understand that he comes in and gives the Dolphins an opportunity to go ahead and make installation day a little bit smoother. He can kind of direct the younger guys on what to do in terms of getting the offense installed during the offseason, during OTAs, and all that fun stuff they do. The sixth most impactful signing, Frank Gore. And I talked about his ability in short yardage and in the red zone. And he's going to give you some carries. He's, he, I mean, he hasn't got hurt in a long time. He's, he's going to be healthy for you, you hope. But he just kind of doesn't really have the juice anymore. So he gets a D-plus from me. Danny Amendola gets a C-minus. He is the fifth most impactful signing for the Dolphins this year. Going to be where he's supposed to be. Runs pretty crisp routes inside. He can get open early. We know how, how I feel about that. Dan Kilgore is the fourth most impactful. He gets a C grade from me. A bit of a bump up over Mike Pouncey for a lot lower salary. The number third most impactful is Robert Quinn, the pass rushing defensive end. He gets a B from me. I think he could definitely come in and kind of have a bit of a career revival. And he had eight and a half, eight and a half sacks last year. I think he could definitely come in and have nine or ten this year in the defense that he's had more success in in his career. So Robert Quinn, the number third most impactful. Number two, Josh Sitton, also a B, but I'm going to go ahead and just give him a bump up over Quinn. Comes in and stabilizes a position the Dolphins have not had success at in a long, long time now. So Josh Sitton, even at 32 years old, comes in and stabilizes the left guard position. And the number one most impactful signing so far might be a bit of a surprise to some of you guys. Albert Wilson, a B plus. I watched the tape on this guy, watched his catches, watched what he did with the football in his hands after the catch. Just a, a dynamic player. The quotes about what the coaches have said about him and how smart he is and how quick he's able to pick up a pretty complex offense there in Kansas City and kind of some of the value he provided to the Kansas City offense as a role player there. He now gets a chance to have his role more expanded in Miami, and I think he's going to pick up right where Jarvis Landry left off, but with even more production there. So number one is Albert Wilson, number two, Josh Sitton. Robert Quinn, number three, number four, Dan Kilgore, five, Danny Amendola, Frank Gore, number six, and then Brock Osweiler brings up the rear as the worst arrival for the Miami Dolphins in 2018. And we'll have a lot more guys to get to in terms of talking about what they can do for this team going forward. When the draft rolls along, we're going to talk a lot more about draft prospects, as I mentioned on the podcast, for the next couple of weeks and get you guys up to speed on some of these prospects and what they can do for the Miami Dolphins, as well as both the kind of their scheme fit and what they provide with their background. But that's going to do it for tonight's podcast, guys. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Give me a follow on Twitter at NFL and the show at Locked On Fans. 
Dolphins. Vote for me on the Dolphins Twitter bracket if you haven't done so already. Follow our flagship show at Lockdown NFL on Twitter and Facebook. And check out the number one rated blog in the Lockdown Network, LockdownDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. Back tomorrow with another edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.